0: Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Today's Breakfast and Class is sponsored by Moshe El Aluf, or Al Aluf, dedicated in honor of his wife, Tikva Bat Golda. Beautiful. My friends, we have a magnificent idea that I'd like to share with you um, from, uh, from this week's parasha, which also relates beautifully to uh, the season that we are in at the moment. You know, there's a very interesting uh, um, idea that starts our parasha off. We start with this idea of eshet yifat toar. It talks about a man who's at war, he sees a woman, decides he wants her, the process that he goes through in order to make her, to bring her to Judaism, to be able to marry her. But this is a marriage that is started off not because it's the right thing here, and not because it's the right thing here because it's the right thing for another part of the human body okay the guy decides he desires her the khashaktaba the words he desires her and in that moment everything falls to the wayside all of his judgment is gone he decides that he's going hey, he must have this woman the immediate next parasha tells us right afterwards the next paragraph it starts off it says when there will be to a person two wives Ha'achat ahuvah, ha'achat sinu'ah. If a person has a wife that he hates. And then it continues and says, what happens if the guy has a wife that he hates? And a wife, he cannot take the son of the wife that he loves and make it that he's the Bihor over the wife of the son, uh, the, over the son of the wife uh, that he loves, more than the one that he hates, okay? Then the Torah continues and says, when there will be to a person... Ben Soreh Umoreh, a wayward, rebellious son who does all the wrong things, who's eventually going to grow up to be a criminal. And our rabbis say, 'Tis not for naught that these pisukim, that these chapters, follow one after the other.' When a person marries a woman for all the wrong reasons, what happens? Eventually, he comes to hate her because the relationship was not there because of love, because of shared goals, shared values, because you respect that person. It was there because you thought she looked pretty enough, okay? That's going to sour eventually. And then says the, the pasuk, what happens after that? You have a wife that you now hate. What happens to the child that's born? The child also is a child that you hate. Why? Not because it did anything wrong, but because that child reminds you of the mistakes that you made, okay? The pasuk then continues and says, what happens to a child that grows up in a house who feels hated? That child is now going to become a rebellious son because you know what? If you hate me anyway, I'm going to figure out ways to disappoint you and hurt you, my dad, my father, okay? So this terrible, tragic hishtal shelut, this tragic outpouring, outcropping, where one story leads to the other, starts with a very bad decision and ends with ter- terribly tragic consequences. My friends, I wanna share with you something magnificent. You see, everybody looks at this story, which leads to this story, which leads to this story. But I, I wanna look at the story in reverse. In fact, one of the great lessons that we're learning here is that when things are going wrong in a person's life, What you can do is not just look at this story, because almost everybody, when they have something which is a problem in their life, they try and solve that problem. They try and deal with the symptom, but they don't think to themselves, what came before this problem, which gave birth to this problem? The eshet yifat torah, what happened? It came from a broken relationship between you and your son. Where did that broken relationship come from? It came from a broken relationship between you and your wife. Where did that broken relationship come from? It came from a mistake that you made, which had nothing to do with her. This idea, the searching out of what came before this, what led me to this problem, how did I get here, is such an important part of the fixing of the reparative process. My friends, I want to share with you an unbelievable story that comes, that teaches us this idea of looking at what comes before and recognizing how these things can develop in very interesting ways. And this story is an absolute shocker. There was a rabbi whose name was Rabbi Bender. And Rabbi Bender was in a yeshiva in Warsaw in Poland. And in this yeshiva, there was a boy whose name was Karkovsky. Okay, I actually had a 10th grade teacher whose name was Karkovsky. This boy was particularly good looking, right? Like Dave, particularly good looking, tall, excellent looking, right? He was a very popular, very bright, very successful. Everything about the guy just oozed royalty and, and beauty and, uh, and what's it called? Everything was amazing. All of a sudden, one day, a guy walks in who is as particularly beautiful as this boy was this man was particularly ugly and he walked to the hunchback and he, everything was out of place and the guy you looked at him and you had to look away almost he walks in and he says could someone please call this boy karkovsky so this the the boy comes up to this man you look at this it looks like but i mean we shouldn't say this but beauty and the beast what's going on over here what could they possibly have to do with each other And in the end, they see this boy comes and he kisses the man's hand. And it turns out that this magnificent specimen of a human being is the son of this man. Now, nobody wants to say it, but as you guys know, in every group... In every friendship group, there's always the one person who says it and everyone says, how could you say that? He said, what, we were all thinking it. There's always the one guy who says what everyone else was thinking. So there was also one guy in the yeshiva who had no filter. He says, how could this be your father? How is this possible that dad gave birth to that? And listen to this, my friends. The man says, "I must." the, the son says, I must tell you a story. There was a man whose name was Rabbi Mordechai Yaffe, or Yaffe, they would call him. He was actually the direct student of Rav Moshe, of the the Rav, the Rav Moshe Isilis. He wrote a book called the Levush, and that became the name of this great rabbi. He became known after this great book that he wrote, which was called the Levush. Levush means the clothing. He wrote actually 10 books, Each one of the books is named after another article of clothing, and each time he starts the book with the same words. What was the story? This man, Rav Mordechai Yaffe, was magnificent looking. He was tall, he was in shape, his face was beautifully proportionate, had an amazing jawline, a nose, I I don't know exactly what goes into making someone very beautiful, but he was very, very beautiful, very, very handsome, but extraordinarily so. And his job... He used to sell tapestries. He used to sell uh, things that were woven and whatever. And as he was going from place to place to sell, there was a, a, a request for him to come to the, ca- the castle of a nobleman. And he goes to this castle, and the nobleman is not there in the castle at the time. Maybe he's off fighting some war. This is about 500 years ago. At that time, they were always off at war. And who calls him to the castle? The noble woman, the queen, the duchess, or whatever it is, whatever her name is, she asks this guy to come to the castle. He walks in, he's showing her all the tapestries he has for sale, she makes a big order, but then before she finishes the order, she goes to the room that they're in, she locks the door, and then she locks the other door, and she locks the other door, and locks the other door, and she tells him, now we're alone, you're such a beautiful man, I want you to be with me, I want you to commit a sin with me. I don't know if she used those words, but that's the words we're gonna use, because we want to make sure that the recording can be used by everybody, okay? (laughs) The story of Yosef all over again. I'm not letting you leave, she says. He tries to get out, he tries to leave. She won't let him leave. He realizes that there's only one method of escape. And he says to this woman, he says, okay, fine, you want to do the sit? We'll do a sit. He says, but first he has to go to the bathroom. Because he realized that the bathroom had a sewage system that ran from the castle, a big pit, that ran down, out, and out of the castle, so it wouldn't smell. He goes into the bathroom, Rav Mordechai Yaffe. He was called Yaffe, we said, because he was so beautiful. He goes into the bathroom, he closes the door, he gets into the sewage pit, and it's up to his waist, and he's wading through the sewage, it stinks, it's horrible, he feels like he needs to throw up, he feels like he's gonna get sick. He wades through and he escapes using the passage of the sewage out of the castle, and he manages to, to leave, so to speak, without doing the Avon, without doing the sin. My friends, Rev. Mordechai khayafin this man, he prayed to bore Olam when he, get ho- he got home. And what was his prayer? What was his heartfelt plea to God? He says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I was in this situation where I barely escaped with my soul intact because of how beautiful I am. Please, bore Olam, make sure, grant me my wish that for ten generations in my family there shouldn't be a single man born to our family that is gifted with the gift of beauty. And the heavens acceded to his request. He was rewarded at the time that he went through this pit. He was rewarded for the way he dealt with it by being given the fact that at the time he left in the sewage he was wearing 10 articles of clothing. Min HaShamayim, they opened up his head and his heart and he was able to write 10 books and he named each of the books, the name of a different levush, of a different article of clothing, because the 10 articles of clothing that he got dirty on that day to protect himself from the mitzvah, he was given back in the form of a sefer that would be given to Am Yisrael. Levush, 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 10 different articles of clothing, 10 different sefarim, And the boy turns to all the people gathered around him in the yeshiva, and he says, and I am the 11th generation from Rav Mordechai Yaffe. My father is the last one of the 10 generations that he prayed, and I'm the 11th generation. And then they returned back to their natural state. What a mind blowing story. And I remember going to, to Poland and being uh, at the place of the burial of the Levush. Unbelievable. Now I thought to myself, what a crazy story, uh, you know, from another time. Almost seems like something from a fairy tale movie. But my friends, there is a reality to the fact that what comes after the things that we do. A person writes a book, Sefer de Levush, and it's accepted by everybody. You should just know, by the way, he wrote the book, de Levush, and he quotes all the Sifarim. He had no Sifarim. He's quoting everything in those books from memory. God blessed them with an unbelievable uh, gift to be able to study, to learn, to write in an extraordinarily, an extraordinarily beautiful way. When a person is Zokhay to do great things in their life, ask yourself what came first? This young boy was able to look back and understand that, you know what, for 10 generations, he had the most beautiful, ugly parents, he had the most beautiful, uh, ugly lineage. It was something that came from such a shiningly, uh, uh, you know, appealing nishama and a request that came from the depths of his heart that it kept his family so clean and so pure that the great, 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 10 times grandson was still studying Torah in one of the most impressive yeshivot in Warsaw, uh, 11 generations later. What a gift to be able to give to your children. Every time we look at something, it behooves us to ask, how did we get here? I want to share with you an unbelievable idea that I think really uh, goes to the essence uh, of, this, uh, of this concept. We read in the parasha that a person should not have even evan. He should not have even gedola, a big stone, and he should not have a small stone in his pocket. What does that mean? Don't have in your pocket a big stone and a small stone. Rashi yeah. says, <laughs> Shelo he, he shouldn't big He shouldn't take using the big stone, right? And give back using the small stone. They used to have a a, a what's it called a, a, a scale, and they would put a a measuring stone. This is a a one you know a one pound stone. They would put it on the thing. Pay me one pound of silver. The guy would take the silver coins, put them on the thing until it would balance out. Now, what would you use? You'd use a one pound coin. It says one pound on it, but the stone actually was bigger than one pound. So, how much was the guy giving you? A pound and a half. Then, when the guy's not looking, you say, okay, now I need to give you. Uh, the one pound of uh, whatever it is that you're paid for. And then he swaps the sketch one pound stone with a smaller stone that says one pound. And he puts the other stuff on. So he's notel begadot umachzir and he gives bekatan, the guy's stealing. Says the czar something unbelievable. He says the word kis, which means pocket, that you should not have in your pocket two stones. The word kis is a euphemism, says the Zohar, for the mouth. And I wondered, why is kis a euphemism for the mouth? And the answer is, because in all the body, there is nothing more covered than the mouth. The ear we know has one thing that can close it, right? The mouth, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says, has two gates. There's nothing else in the body that is more michuse than the mouth to teach you. That you should double check everything that you say before you say it. There should be two, so to speak, um, uh, 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 checkpoints before a word leaves your mouth. What that means is, according to the Zohar, is that there shouldn't be even even in your mouth. A person needs something, we come to Borei Olam. We're crying, Hashem, I don't have such problems with my child. My kid is going off the derech. My kid doesn't have a job. My kid needs to get married. My kid this, my kid that. My business is failing, please Hashem. The buyers are not returning my phone calls. The, the sellers are ghosting me. I don't know what to do. The person's crying. Tears are coming down his face. You see on top of the words, Barachenu in the Sidur, it's littered with teardrops. Notel adol. he takes large. But my friends, when Hashem gave him, when his problems are solved, I must tell you, out of all the people that come to me for advice and their problems, for 90% of the people that come with the problem, 10% come to you to tell you that the problem is gone. You worked on the problem, they just don't call you back. you worried about the problem, you spend time on it, they don't bother, I don't have a problem anymore. Borel is the same thing. 90% were coming there, asking, crying, tears, everything. But where are the tears on the page of Modim, where you said, thank you? Notel So you want to know sometimes why things aren't going well. Ask yourself, how did I get here? Maybe the way that I got here is because I didn't give enough back. The, the, the pasuk begins in Tehilim, Mizmor leToda. There's a song of thanks. And I have to say, there is an element of thanks that needs to be sung. You could say thank you, or you could sing, you could write poetry, you could enjoy it, you could get a band. How do you do, how do you do when you've, now, when you've now been saved, how do you act? How do you speak when you've now been saved? How do you come to your Amidah? If you cried when things were good, you wouldn't need to cry when things were bad. So how do you want it to be? Either way you could cry. You could cry and everything could be ace. Everything could come up, you know, aces. Or you could cry after you had the worst hands in the world and get yourself out of the hole again and again. Just recognize that these types of things, they belong to us. How do we get here? Everything is a result of something that came before. And that's true in, uh, in Geshmiut in our benefits that come to us on a physical level, but it's also true on things that come to us on a spiritual level. A person sees themselves in a low place, they're disconnected from Hashem, they don't feel, this, they don't feel the zing, the energy of the learning. You know, I don't, I, Rabbi, I don't know what to do, you know, I, I feel like this, I feel like that. You know what someone said to me yesterday, something very powerful. I was talking about calling your parents and calling your grandparents. And someone said, you know, Rabbi, I'll be honest, I, I, sometimes I, feel, I hesitate. I don't want to call my grandma. You know why? I call my grandma. I'm on the phone for two hours. I, I said to her, if you called her more often, then she wouldn't feel the need to squeeze it all into one phone call. You call rarely, you know, it takes a long time. You call often, it's easy. The relationship, you've invested in the relationship. My friends... Sometimes you ask yourself, how did this relationship deteriorate? Well, ask yourself, why is it uncomfortable to have this conversation? Why am I in this place? When you look back, a lot of times you'll see that there was something that came before this that resulted, that impacted on this story in such an amazing way. And I I just like to imagine being the guy that's sitting next to this fellow in that yeshiva in Warsaw all those years ago. And every day we come to shul together, and I see this guy. He looks great. He's amazing. Everybody wants to have him as a son-in-law. You know, he's fantastic. He studies well. He's one of the best boys. Everybody loves him. He looks great. He acts great. He's the most popular kid. And you look at this kid, you think, oh, you know, I, I wish I was like. I wish my kids were like that. Are you prepared to do what his grandfather did so that he would become like that? Everybody wants the great kids. Who wants to put in the effort that it takes? have great kids. Everybody wants a great marriage. Who wants to put in the effort to make your wife feel or your husband feel noticed, appreciated, respected. That's how you have a good marriage. People come, Rabbi, I don't know, my wife, she kills you, she hates me. My, my husband, it's so terrible. Really? Did, we, did, did this just happen? Monday morning, last night, Sunday night, it was amazing, Monday morning you woke up with a terrible marriage, with a toxic relationship, with a toxic relationship with your kids. This didn't happen today. So look back, Where, how did we get here? And when we fix those paths, when we look back and we say, oh, Ben Sorero Moreh, because, because I treated the kid in a way that made him feel like he was hated. I treated the kid and made him feel that there was another one that was my favorite. Right? Lo ben ben asinua. Next chapter ben soreru more. How did the kid get like that? How did you decide to love one kid more than... You know You love the mother more. Something happened over there. How did that happen? Because you know what? When the relationship when I chose when I looked to find the wife I made a terrible mistake I chose the wife for all the wrong reasons. And now I am where I am. Rabbi when we take that and we pull on that thread and we go back to the beginning, ultimately we can undo so much damage and oftentimes the work is not that hard. There's an old adage that goes, work smarter, not harder. So let's work smarter. Let's look back and find those inflection points that if we could go back in time and just change that one thing, we wouldn't be where we are. That is the challenge. That is the process of a person doing teshuvah. And I always say this: You're sitting there in shul, <laughs> right? All, we're all doing that, right? You know, you're doing you're that. that there's, that's not teshuvah. That's like that's like tying a string around your finger to remember the thing that you need to do later. When you think you're going through the process of teshuvah, as you're saying, you know, f- you know, 22 sins, one after the next. Ashavnu means I'm responsible. Which of the things that I'm responsible for have I neglected? Bagadu means we betrayed. Which things did I promise I would do? Which things are the opposite of being a loyal friend, son, Jew, human, right? Gazadu, what have I taken? Did I take something from someone that wasn't fair? Did I take something from someone that didn't want to give it to me? Did I take credit that wasn't mine? Did I steal someone's sleep? I need to go fix that. It doesn't help to say it. That reminds us what we need to do. So, you know what? The next time you say Ashamnu, tie that finger, take out a pen, pick out your phone for one second, write it down. Need to make up with, need to do this right, need to make that person whole. Dibarnu Dofi, who did I speak about? I spoke about this guy, Lashonara. I, I ruined something for them. I need to go back to the person and say, you know something? I misspoke. I didn't mean that person. It wasn't as bad. Actually, I heard it from someone else. You know what? I t- heard he's not. I told you he's not such a great guy. But that's what I heard. But you know what? Now I heard from six other people that he's an amazing guy. You know, maybe you should just take that into account. Maybe you should turn your no uh, into a yes. You know, there's a a, a, a thing called adopt a Shadchan, I just came across it yesterday, that they exploded during Corona, where they reach out, I think it's a network of something like 3,000, I don't know how many, but like tons and tons of people with sh- Shadchanim from everywhere. And they do Shiduchim for different people, you know, and then they kind of converse with each other. They, have, they ran a program called Turning a No into a Yes. There's lots of people that, you know, they asked you out, or you asked them out, or you asked, you try to make the Shiduch, and you said no for whatever reason. Sometimes, you know, that no really could turn into a yes later. Because you've grown, or they've grown. Maybe give it a second chance. I think sometimes when we turn to God and ask Hashem, please give me a second chance, Hashem says, okay, bring me the sefer azichronot, bring me the book of memories. And then Malach comes, he says, yes God, what do you want me to open up to? He says, open up to the page where he gave other people a second chance. The Malach turns. He goes, oh, uh, it's a blank page. There's nobody on here. There's, he didn't give nobody a second chance. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Signed, sealed, delivered. He don't get no second chances either. When we give a person a second chance, in, in, in relationships, in business, you know, in our own marriages, sometimes we have to give, even people that we're staying together, we give them a second chance. That's not always the case that that's the right thing to do. But did you try? Did you go through the work? Did you see if you could? Maybe even if you don't wind up giving them a chance. But you went through all the motions to try. At the very least, that's an effort. God never asks us for more than that. May Hashem bless us always to have not just 2020 hindsight in the rear view mirror of our car, but to have 2020 hindsight when we look back at the story, and at the road, and the road map of our lives. Baruch Adonai le'olam. Amen ve'amen.